ain't no one if he's here With some not so nice advice for your writing career To be clear, no punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off, believe me, she'll come after me And her co-host met Evan Wallace On the right, yes, she may be half as hype But she can take him in a fight So settle in, folks, buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way to make your writer shut up It's hard work, but the perk is that it's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there when you're done writing Ditch Diggers! Ditch Diggers! Coming to you from the uh, padded room full of teddy bears. It is the Ditch Diggers with Mer Lafferty and Matt Wallace. And uh, it's number 99. You know, this is episode number 99. Uh, I did not know that. Actually. Yeah, congratulations! Congratulations to you too, Mer. And uh, I always start with that, with asking how you are, and I'm wondering if that's a moot question right now. <clears throat> I mean, I you know we're gonna, we're going to get into all of that. Yeah, I think it's probably important to because you know with us, you just never know when this is actually going to come out. That's true. That's true. So it's uh, probably important to place. Uh, you know, the whole Dune thing. It's important to establish the time and put all things in their proper place before right. you start the story. Today is June 30th that we are uh, releasing, uh, recording this. Yeah, and over the last two weeks, would you say? Week and a Dune? half, I guess. Didn't it start out last week? Week before last? The, prob- the problem is I've been taking a Twitter hiatus for mental health and for clearly good reason, but I've, I'm not as connected to news as other people which also we are going to touch on but uh overall let's talk about writing um i have completely restructured my novel i am grateful to using the program scrivener to do so because it allowed me to move things around very easily we are not sponsored by scrivener we'd like to be that'd be cool but it's just a very good program for uh structuring long writing projects and uh after that i didn't write much of anything but i did restructure it which was a lot of work and i'm proud of that hey structure is everything yeah (laughs) i do feel like i'll get to my shit in a second i feel like we lost the plot very quickly there because we were like let's establish what's been going on and then i said in the last two weeks and then we didn't really establish what happened the last two weeks we just went to let's talk about writing i'm sorry i can cut that out no, it's fine. Let's just roll with it. I want I want some transparency in this episode. I just fine. I just wanted to cover the hello Matt, how are you doing parts before we got yeah. down to the stuff. Oh no, I absolutely feel it. I'm sorry if I jumped the gun there, but I just that really I bad segue. Bad segue. Yeah. <laughs> segue. Bad segue. Uh yeah, just what's funny is, like, a lot of stuff's happening on the outside world, and me, I've just basically been struggling with uh, migraines and ADD, so um, that's been my weird focus. How about you? And I don't want to minimize that. Those are real things to with which to grapple. Sure. And I, I feel bad about that. But your, your stuff, how's it going? Oh, terribly. Uh, absolutely terribly. No, I, you know, I've been, I've been focused on uh, the video game that we're working on and mm-hmm. my, you know, my, I don't want to say, I feel we're calling it a day job because it's very dismissive and it's, it's more than that. It's not, you know, I'm not working, uh, I'm not working a nine to five somewhere to support something else. I'm working in video games and writing video games and very much enjoying it. So at the video game job, I've been working on the video game that we are currently working on that I can't talk about because you can never talk about the video game you're working on. Oh, definitely not. Which is why you've never heard of any video game writers because we literally can't talk about it. But so I've been doing that because that's my job every single day and you can't, you know, I did, I did actually have to take a day on that, which is very rare for me. I actually had to tell them there's a lot of stuff going on in this in my other writing career and I don't, I don't usually like to let these things cross pollinate but I need a day to like sort some stuff out and they were very understanding about that and I appreciated it but other than video game writing and trying to get ready for this online book tour that's supposed to start next week as we're recording this I've got nothing done on any front whatsoever yeah writing yeah 
Because, uh, yeah, big doings. There have been big doings lately. And it's very strange to talk about time frames because we talk about how, like, the last two weeks have been bananas. But the reason the last two weeks have been bananas is because of all the years preceding that where all this horrible shit has happened that nobody talked about it. Yeah. And I do feel sort of like when we, when we, when we emphasize the time period where everybody's been talking about this or where it's been a hot-button issue, it's sort of dismissive and messed up towards the people who've been going through all the things we're talking about for years, uh, you know, with no support and in silence until we finally talk about the things publicly. Yeah. Um, so what are we talking about, Matt? Uh, we're talking about harassment. We're talking about abusive people and the uh, specific, I mean, everywhere. It's, it's pro wrestling, video games, comic books, publishing. It's been going on everywhere and it's all relevant to the show because we, you know, we, Although we tend to focus a lot on publishing because Murr and I operate largely in the in the science fiction and fantasy publishing space, it's relevant to all of these other industries because all of these other industries employ freelance writers and everybody's been affected by this stuff. Yeah. But specifically close to home for Murr and I selfishly, it's been largely the science fiction and fantasy publishing community the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, a lot of very bad people getting called out for really shitty behavior of, uh, of different kinds and just be uh, forcing everybody to just deal with our shit, you know, and that's, again, it's a good thing. It's a terrible thing, but it's a good thing and it's needed. It needs to happen. And a the lot boi- of that, the boil of has been lanced. The boil has been lanced. Yes. And we are all covered in pus and yeah. it's not a pleasant thing, but it has to happen. And, uh, a lot of it has hit very close to home for me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that as much as I can. Um, Murr and I have made the conscious decision with this episode that we're not going to name names or put the focus on names. Uh, we just feel like that's the right thing to do here. We will point folks towards some very comprehensive and what we consider very fair coverage of everything that's been going on. Murr, is that correct? Yes. Yes. Um, I. Speaking personally, I know Matt's been a lot closer to some of this than I have. Um, and just, just, just to not bury the lead, Matt is not any of the accused. Matt just knows no, some of I'm them. Not. I just want to say that just in case. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's it's a. I haven't been online and uh, very much, and I've heard a lot of stuff. I've heard people pointing me towards specific like Twitter streams or blog posts or medium posts, but I haven't like been in the middle of it and I don't feel comfortable just saying, Oh, I heard this person is a piece of trash. Um, I believe victims don't get me wrong, but I can't speak to any specific thing. And so I have been reading some comprehensive reporting on this and that's where I would prefer to send people for, for details. Yeah. Same. It's just in the context of this show with our personal knowledge, it's just not, it didn't seem like the right thing to do. I also just don't, I don't want this, I don't want to make this like like a gossipy thing. And I don't mean that to minimize what's been going on, but I just don't, coming from us, I don't want it to be like, we heard this about this person. It just feels like the wrong thing to do. So, but we also aren't trying to like hide anything or protect anyone either as as much as that goes. So we will point you to people who've been doing more of the research and more of the work and putting it and have put it in more of a formal context than we are able to. But for the purpose of what we're going to talk about here, we're just not going to name name names. Um, And I just wanted to make that clear as we go into it and just make sure we're all starting Starting from, I don't know, a fair, an even keel or whatever. I'm yeah. going to do my best this week, but words are not my friends right now. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Go on. So, yeah. Let's dig into all of that. <laughs> so, the way this started was uh, one of our Patreon supporters in the Discord said, uh, uh, Will the sex abusers' call outs this week end up on ditch diggers? I know it's a very sensitive topic, especially given that some of the uh, people are known by you guys, but it's a very important business thing. And I said, yeah, it needs to be talked about, but can you give me some more specifics? Just can you talk about the shit is pretty broad. And, you know, as you can see, Matt and I are just like, we don't want to talk about the shit. It's awful. And, but, uh, I asked for more direction and I got it. So, um, the first question is, what do you do if you're in a situation that you have to work with a known abuser? Hopefully those are rare, but we all know that they aren't always kicked from the field and a lot are defended. 
No, it's a very important question and a very prevalent one to this past uh, to this past few weeks. And um, I were you gonna? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump in, Mergy. Did you did you have a? Place no, no, you? I was I was opening it up to you because, as you've said, you are closer to some of yeah. the things than I am. Well, you got you got to start with the phrase "known abuser," and what's so one of the things that's so fucked up about these situations is none of us are cops or lawyers. There's no SFF publishing court that we're taking people to. You know, it's all just people saying stuff. There's also not an court. HR. It, it feels like yeah. we all work together, but there's no like HR uh, uh, director to talk to all of us about the proper way to be and to fire one of us if we are not proper. And that's really the problem is we treat, we tend to treat this all like, I mean, it is a community. I'm not in any way disparaging that, but there's no structure. There's no formal structure. We have, you know, in, we were all independent contractors. We all have different publishers and people that employ us. We have guilds, but, you know, the, not everybody belongs to those guilds to begin with. And even then, it's just not, that that doesn't govern, um, doesn't have like a universal governance over what we do. So. Sure. There's no formal structure for it is the thing. So when you talk about a known abuser, the onus is really on individuals to decide for themselves uh, what they believe and, you know, what they think of these people. And, you know, we, we, we absolutely always start with the premise from believe victims. And I'm in no way trying to obfuscate that. But yeah. I'm saying that ultimately whatever happens, it comes down to individuals to decide for themselves. And... For me, I don't ever want to work with someone that I believe um, has abu- has abused people, you know. And you and you try to you try to differentiate that. You try to differentiate between someone who is just an asshole or who you think is an asshole, and you try to and you try to figure out where that line is to when it crosses into them being abusive towards people. And for me, you know, there are I mean, for me, there are different clear boundaries to that. If you, you know, some of those boundaries are, from my perspective, very easy. Like if someone has put hands to someone without their consent, I consider that a huge fucking violation. And if they've done it serially, that's very easy to me to say that's someone I don't want to work with or be around or or, or help enable in any way. Um, but then you get into like stuff that's all the verbal base and all emotional and psychological, and that's that's where it starts to get muddy for a lot of people. Yeah. And these last few weeks have really made me start the hard line on that too, though. I got to say, like, it's just that line between asshole and abuser has gotten closer for me personally because you just, you're really forced to confront how that emotional and psychological trauma you can inflict on people, how damaging that can be and how easy it is to do that and how easy it is for that to become a pattern in people. And that's, which is another thing I think you look for when you're qualifying what's a known abuser. You look for patterns, you know, at least, and, and again, I'm not a fucking expert on any of this stuff. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from on it, what I look for. Like, I look for patterns in people that, you know, you can look at that and go, okay, this person seems to do this a lot to everybody and it's bad and then and they're, and they're bad because of it. And that's, that's something that I really kind of look for is that pattern, that pattern of behavior. It's not just one isolated incident. It's not just one person saying, I don't like this person's personality or they were mean to me. Um, you know, it's a pattern of people saying they gaslit me. They lied to me. They manipulated me. They, they did these things. And that's, that's something you can at least point towards really something that I do. So, uh, for me as a woman, I, um, I think a little bit more, uh, fine tuned than that. I, I look, I look inwardly and, um, I basically ask, is this person a threat? You know, that whole fine line between an asshole and uh, an abuser is uh, it is a fine line. But I, I know I've told the story before, but just to sum up again, I've had I once had a really terrible reading at a con. The con didn't set up the reading well. The reading was uh, it, it, it people tried to turn it into a critique. Um, I felt attacked. I felt like they questioned every decision I made in the book. They frankly told me, that, no, not they. He frankly told me he was surprised that the book had sold. This was the book that then got like five award nominations, um, and it, and I was, I, I was furious and mortified. And I've since told people I will not be on a panel with him. I don't want to have anything to do with him ever again. And someone contacted me and said, "Is this a missing stare thing? Do I need to be worried?" I'm like. I don't feel threatened by this guy. I just think he's an asshole and I do not want to have any contact with him. I I choose not to be around him because I think he's a dick. I am not going to smear his, uh, uh, 
his his reputation by playing it up, like doing the whole oh well, this guy's a jerk too. Let's hate him, and uh, because he he did not threaten me, I didn't feel threatened, and I think um, I'm not saying ignoring. Shit, where am I going with this? I'm sorry. This is all very difficult. No, um, it is. I appreciate that you're bringing this up, though, because you hit upon you hit upon something really immediately important, which is I didn't bring up the threat thing because that's not something I have to deal with. Yes. As a very large, able-bodied, cis white guy, and it's something I have the privilege to ignore. But that's a very important thing, and I'm glad you were able to put that out there, Murr. It's very important. Yeah, but that's, but that's also me. I mean, uh, power is not just physical... Uh, presentation if if no, somebody you know some of the 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 grooming and uh verbal harassment allegations uh involve people who are at on a level that that you know new writers want to meet people we tell them go to conventions and meet people networking is very important but that but there's we're telling you there is a power differential here and you're putting yourself in that area and you're putting yourself at the bottom rung of the ladder. And, um, the people at the top or even in the middle need to understand their position and treat you with the respect that that deserves. Because it's, it's a very weird thing because, uh, someone else posted that perhaps they were not, uh, again, not naming names, but someone else posted that they realized that they perhaps were not treating people correctly because as they, as their career grew, they were still talking to new writers in the same buddy-buddy way that they had been, but the new writers were looking at them as someone much more important and they were not aware of the power differential while the new writers definitely were. And so it's, it's all there. There's so many moving pieces here, even beyond the, you know, putting hands on person. They, no, okay, that's, that's a, like you said, definitely not. Uh, but it's, oh, shit. It comes down to, it comes down to vulnerability. I really think it comes down to exploiting vulnerability. And that can come mm -hmm. in so many forms. That can mean youth. That can mean an experience. That can mean gender. That can mean race. You know, these are all yeah. huge components that, that a lot of people have to deal with. And I certainly didn't mean to make it about purely about physicality. Like no, I'm kind I of wrapping all these qualities up in, in one thing. No, I wasn't saying I just want to make okay. it clear. Like, it's not that I, it, I mean, that's, it is part of it. Like physically, I don't worry about people physically threatening me because I have the physicality and the training to deal with it. But it's also a benefit of the fact that like I'm a big, you know, cis able-bodied white dude. I don't have disability or racial factors working against me when it comes to dealing with other cis able-bodied white guys, which is, you know, the sadly still the majority of people who are in power here. And that's all these components matter, you know, and it's if only and it just comes down to a lot of things can make you vulnerable to being exploited by by this power structure. And that's really I think what we're talking about. Right. But so, you you but are question, but you are aware of yourself and how you could be intimidating to other people. Yeah, and that's but I mean that's and I'm sure I still I still stumble on that I still lose sight of it sometimes. But over the years I have it has taken me a while just to like become aware of my own self and the effect that I have on other people. You know the effect I the effect I have on uh, someone who doesn't know me and is just perceiving me based on uh, appearance alone. And, you know, you do have to be aware of these things and how you make other people feel. And there's a, and there's a, you know, there's a total fairness to that. And yeah, like you said, it's, you may not be, just because you're not aware of the power differential doesn't mean it's not there. And it's something you, you absolutely have to be aware of. And that can come in a lot of forms, just like vulnerability comes in a lot of forms. That can be because you're a very experienced and successful person. And not even success, it's just more experienced than other people. You've yeah. been around longer and you're perceived to know more. Or it can come in the guise of, you know, you are a disabled body white guy. And the, and the standard that's been set by that and the default of that uh, just gives you more of a perceived power in this industry than other people who are not that have. Or, you know, it can come down to the physicality thing. You are a very large, powerful looking man. Like, it's it's... And that is an intimidating thing to a lot of people, and for good reason. 
So just being aware of all these things is very important and it can be difficult and it doesn't make you a bad person if you lose sight of it. But I think you just have to be working towards having that awareness. Yeah. But Um, the original question was like, what do you do about working with an abusive person? Right. That was what we were, that was what we started off with. Yes, it is. And, um, the problem is that's, that's still a vague thing because what does working with mean? Does it mean working with somebody in the next office or does it mean you're both in an anthology or, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. Oh, look, all we can ever do here, I feel like, is just offer our personal experience because that's all we have to draw on. Yeah. And, you know, with the caveat that that's what it is. It's our personal experience. These things completely vary. Situations vary. There is no one answer to any of this stuff. This yeah. is just where we're coming from and what we've gone through in our careers and our lives, right? So where this started off with me the week before last was another client of my literary agents was called out for being a serial harasser. Uh, Someone did a very long thread about how they had been gaslit by this person and emotionally abused by them and forced out of a writing group that they'd both been in and how this person had turned all these other people against them. Um, And that is, again, where you get into this, you know, even even going from the premise of I absolutely believe this person was harmed by the the behavior that they're describing. You know, Mm -hmm. whatever you feel about the person or however you end up feeling about the situation, I think you always have to apply validity to that. Like, whatever objectively you think. You have to acknowledge that this person was harmed. If they felt harmed, then they were harmed by it. But going off that, you have to start digging into what does that mean about the person they're calling out? Does that make them an abuser? Does that make them a serial harasser? Or does it make them an asshole who was an asshole to this person? And then other things started to come out. Other people started to jump in. You know, and there was another person who put in a thread and said they knew of at least a dozen women that had been harassed by this guy. And that's when I really started to zero in on it. And went, okay, this is a thing that I absolutely am going to have to reconcile and deal with because I was also friends with this fucking guy. Like, that was another part. Like, we didn't hang out every day or anything. We maybe saw each other three or four times a year, but we talked online all the time. And I was very pal, I was very chummy with him on, like, on Twitter. Like, I conversed with him on Twitter all the time and promoted his work. And we talked about all the game nights we were going to have when the quarantine was over. And I just thought he was a swell fucking dude. And uh, I had uh, no idea anything was never got a weird vibe off him. Never did. Not one. And a lot Again, of power differential. He didn't he didn't see you as somebody he needed to or wanted to uh, express that it, it's this is why uh, a lot of guys don't see it, because there's no reason for him to treat you the way he treated these women in his mind. No. And, and looking back on it, I absolutely think he treated me the way he did because he wanted me on his side, yeah. which is another thing they do. They groom their friends just like they groom their victims. It's That's the truth of it. And I can look back on interactions now we had and ways he pumped me up and ways he talked about himself that I think were very purposeful and very manipulative. And I just didn't see it at the time. And, uh, you know, that's something I got to deal with. But I don't want to. Another big thing that's very, very important to me through this is like, I don't want to center myself in this. I don't want to talk about how i was a victim of this guy like everybody else right like he hurt a lot of people and it should, the focus should be on those people that he hurt i'm just talking about my response to it because this is our show and i'm just trying to i'm just trying to answer the questions that were asked of us anyway so after those initial um allegations came out and people started talking more i felt it was incumbent on me to start digging into it myself and that can be a very difficult thing to do because um, you don't want to go around interrogating strangers <laughs> about your friends when they're called out. That's not cool. And I definitely did not do that. Uh, What I was able to do and what I think was a safe way to approach it was I started by listening to and reading everything I could find that was being said online, on Twitter, on Facebook, read all the accounts, read people responding to it, read what was being talked about, and then reaching out to people within my immediate circle that I could trust to ask about their opinion and their take and their perspective on this guy. You know, not necessarily people that had come forward or said anything, just as many perspectives as I could get reaching out to people I know and that know me and that there's a mutual trust there Mm -hmm. that I could talk to this about that I didn't feel like I was exploiting or taking advantage of or interrogating. And just by doing that, I was able to start hearing a lot of stuff about this guy that I had not heard before. And within just a couple of days, a pretty clear picture came into view for me that this guy uh, was indeed exactly what people were saying about him. He was a guy that 
lied to everyone, manipulated everyone, played everyone against each other to try to elevate himself. And he did that in a lot of different contexts. A lot of them were women that I think that he abused and harassed because he wanted something from them. A lot of it was also just professionally things. He wanted things from professionally to elevate himself in that capacity. It was just, it was a huge complicated web of bullshit and gaslighting and abuse. And it was terrible. So I established for myself at that point that this guy was an abusive prick and had indeed harmed a lot of people. And whether I knew about it or not, I felt responsible in a way because I had in public and very often elevated them to all of my followers and all the people who knew me and made it seem like this is a guy that I like and respect and trust. And by doing that, I felt like I, I was enabling it. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I felt I had an even deeper responsibility to speak out about it on, for, for myself, which is what I did. I, I immediately distanced myself from him, and I publicly, on, all, on my streams and everything, I let everybody know that I had come to absolutely believe everything was being said about this guy. We were not friends anymore, and I was very sorry for the people that he harmed and any role I played in that, and that I wasn't going to do that anymore. And that was very important for me to do. Uh, another thing that was very important to me at that point was I, and I made this decision really quickly and it was something that really concerned me because, you know, this would have sucked is I didn't want to be represented by the same agent that represented this guy. Yeah. Fortunately, once my agent did the same work that I did, um, they severed their professional relationship with this guy immediately as well. So it didn't. So I didn't have to make that choice. And I'm happy about that. I'm happy my agent reacted the way they did, which I feel was the right thing. And I'm glad it didn't get there. But I have to say honestly for me that if my agent had not done that, if they had decided they were going to retain this, this person as a client, I would no longer have been comfortable being represented by that person. So I would have had to sever that relationship. Yeah, that, that that's... Really... Go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. No, no, it's okay. Go ahead. Well, that's that's one thing we don't talk about really, which is, um, you know, we talk about the reasons why you you leave an agent, and it's usually because it's a good career move for you to do so. But there's also like that, and and the the real question here is how much are you willing to step away from? For either your principles, you definitely should step away for your personal safety if it involves working with a known yeah. abuser. But also for your principles. Um, and look, man, this is also a place where privilege comes into play really heavily. And I want to acknowledge that right away. I honestly feel like I have the privilege to speak out on a lot of this stuff where other people do not. And that's one of many reasons I felt it's incumbent upon me to do so. You know, I don't feel that being who I am, I'm going to suffer as many consequences as, you know, a woman or anyone else who's marginalized in this industry coming forward to speak out about the exact same thing. Right. So I, for me personally, I would have left my agent over this if, if they hadn't made what I felt was the right decision. But I also feel like I would have been okay past that. It would have sucked. It would have been, you know, a big one, you know, kind of a roadblock my career that I would have had to adjust it to and overcome but eventually I would have I would have been okay and I, a lot of that has to do with the privilege that I have so and and I had to say that I'm not going to sit here and and again this is not a situation that happened like it didn't come to pass because right. my agent fired yeah. the guy but I wouldn't have held it against anyone else who didn't feel like they had the ability to do that is what I'm saying people who didn't have the privilege that I did who are just starting out their careers or at, or, or at, you know, the point they are in their careers and feel like they didn't have the ability to recover from walking away voluntarily from a relatively well-known and, and powerful agent in this industry. They just would have been a choice that I was making for myself. And as we covered at the beginning, that's all you can do here. You have to decide for yourself and you have to make the choices that you're comfortable with that you feel like you have the ability to make, you know? So I don't, I just, I just don't want it to seem like I'm, I'm holding myself up as any more righteous or better than anyone else who wouldn't have done the same thing in that situation. I do think it's something we need to talk about and something we can get into a little more if we're going to talk about other people that were called out here because agents at different levels respond very differently to these kinds of things. But it's, you know, agents and publishers and the people that employ abusers, that's a whole other facet to this that needs to be taken into account and they need to be held accountable in my opinion. And a lot of times they're not, you know, it's in it and that sucks, but 
Anyway, for me, and for the question of what do you do about having to work with abusive people, like that's the, that was the situation I was in. I didn't work with this guy, but I was friends with him, and we shared an agent, and everybody knew that too. And I'm not—I don't say that to say, you know, I, I was worried about the perception of me because everybody knew that. I'm saying because everybody knew that, it lended validity and weight to this guy and what he did, and I didn't want to be any part of that. So even if it would have cost me, you know, a little bit to do it, I would have had to walk away from my agent because I wouldn't have felt comfortable being associated with them in that professional capacity in this industry. So that's what I did, and that's what I would have done in that particular case. Yeah, I, uh, I just realized I was in the same position last summer because uh... – my agent had to make some decisions about her career that if she had not, if she had gone another way, I was considering leaving as well. And for many, a lot of the same reasons of just being um, connected to uh, a dangerous situation. And it's, I mean, if you want to, you can provide context to that without naming names. It's just it well, yeah. She she worked with somebody who had done. I mean, it 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 wasn't even a he said she said thing. It was a everybody saw it happen. Very yeah. obvious, uh, bad behavior at a con, and um, I had to sit there and figure out what I wanted to do for my career and my, you know, ability to sleep at night. Yeah, but um, you know, I agreed with the the decision she made. So um, very, and you know, I'm I always loved her and respected her, but now even more so because of how she handled that situation. Um, but yeah, it's it's if you have to do this, number one, make decisions based on your own safety, and then number two, decide where your principles are and what kind of uh, hit you're going to allow your career to take for these principles. And um, it's a serious question. Some people choose not to do whatever it does. I mean, you know, if you choose not to be in an anthology with somebody or choose not to be edited by somebody or leave a publisher, those are all, you know, things that can affect your career. And, but sometimes you got to do it. Yeah, and it just gets it gets really messy and really tough and very difficult. You know, I mean, it's every publisher in the world at this point is owned by like three different companies. Yeah. So if if one person at one imprint of one publisher is outed as a as a really like abusive piece of shit or a sexual assault or whatever it is, it's very difficult to make the decision of how how connected you feel to that you know if you're like if you're at an imprint that's also owned by the same parent company what's your responsibility there and it's there's no good answer to any of these things it it ultimately comes down to like what you're comfortable with your own morality your own ethical code weighed against your professional concerns and how seriously you need to take those and again it, it does come down to a privilege thing because there are plenty of people who don't have the privilege to take that stand like they're literally going to be sacrificing the money that they need to live if they do. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not going to look down on anybody for not doing that. If that's, if that's the kind of situation that they're in, but it's just very complicated. There's no easy one, one, one way to handle it is you've got to decide for yourself how you view the person in question. And then you've got to take all the stuff, merge set into consideration and make your own choice. You know, yeah. so I think that's the best anybody can answer that question. Yeah. So what was the next question? Mer? Uh, well, you've kind of already covered it, but we can cover it specifically. What is the correct response as a professional when this happens to someone close to you? Do you make a statement? Do you stay quiet oh. as not to take up taking space, talking space that the victims should use? Um, that is... The other thing I do want to say about that, right, is, and you, again, you did, we did cover it a little bit, but I want to, I just want to kind of come back to the, to the privilege thing a little bit, which is... Again, I felt like I had the privilege and the ability to speak out on all this stuff without it without it coming back and like ruining me, whatever the hell that means. Mm -hmm. Point being, I knew I'd be okay doing this. Like even in terms of being harassed by trolls and everything, that's all their facts that I don't even want to get into right now. But even in that terms, I I've been on I've been on fucking Twitter for over ten years. Like I never take it as bad 
as a woman or a person of color, anybody who doesn't have the privileges that I have, even when I've been targeted by trolls, it's honestly never as bad as I see other people getting it. So I just, for my part, I knew I had the privilege and the ability to speak out on it, and I'd, and I'd be all right, and I want to acknowledge that. By that token, there are people who don't feel like they can come out and speak publicly on this. A lot of people have. A lot of people without my privilege have come out and talked about this, and that takes a level of courage and shit that I, I can't even contemplate. But just as with I can't judge someone who doesn't have the privilege or ability to extricate themselves from a professional situation because of some tenuous connection to abuser, I can't rightly judge people who don't feel like they can speak out openly and name names against people in the public sphere who don't have the privilege that I do. Like, that's a tough, that's also a tough situation, you know? Right. And uh, I just, that's really the only point I wanted to make there. Like, it's easy to judge people and say we should all come out and name names and we should all be out front and saying this stuff, but there are just, there are people who just can't do that. And it sucks and it shouldn't be that way, but it doesn't automatically make, it doesn't, it's not a cowardly thing or it's not, you know, an incorrect thing in their specific situation because they just don't have the ability to do it. That's all. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, so as a professional, um, I I know some of the people involved in the allegations, but I don't know them well, and I would not call them close to me. So um, I've been mainly keeping quiet. Uh, I've talked to people uh, in the Discord about it because they had some questions. But, uh, you know, that's a closed community, so... Uh, I felt more comfortable doing that, but it's, I, I don't, I don't know. I think, um, it's, it's, oh God, I don't know. <laughs> I'm okay. sorry. This okay. is, this this is, is difficult is, stuff. You're doing your best. It Just really is. A, um, what are you trying to convey here? Well, do you, do you make, do you make a statement? It's, uh, I think. I think a lot of people mix up the whole friend slash business part of this. As we said, we tell you to go to cons and network. You're only going to, unless you're a complete mercenary, and I don't recommend doing this, um, you're only going to network with the people that you like. And so you do become friends with people. But when this kind of thing happens, you need to put that aside and, and make a professional statement, which is... You know, this is this is not cool. I need to sever the the ties with this person. Um, and anything I did to increase their career uh, is gonna stop now for sure. Like yeah. you said. And if that's silently distancing yourself, that's okay. You got to do what you need to do. You don't have to conflate. I'm gonna back away from this person. I'm not gonna promote their stuff anymore. I'm gonna soft block them on Twitter or whatever it is with I have to make a big declarative public statement to the world about this person. You know, you don't have to do that. It's okay to say for myself and my part, I'm just not going to have anything to do with this individual anymore. And even if you don't make the big grand public gesture, you don't have the privilege to or the ability to, you can still do that other part. You can distance yourself from them and not enable them anymore in any way, you know? Yeah, what if uh, what if people ask you though? What if people ask you, "Hey, this this happened to your friend. What's going on there?" Um, again, I mean, you have you you have the ability to tell them you can't or don't feel comfortable speaking on that, and yeah. you know, and then again, we, this all this is all going to come back to your personal comfort level and your particular situation. Like, and there's also confidence issues there. Like, it's very hard to speak on behalf of other people in these instances. You know, unless you're talking about, unless it's a friend or someone you know or somebody who's been like, I've decided I'm going to be public and I'm going to be out front. I'm going to share my experiences and it's okay for everybody to talk about what happened. A lot of this stuff deals with people who aren't ready or aren't willing or aren't able to come forward and be out in public about this stuff. So it gets hard to, to talk specifically about instances. And that's something I dealt with too. You know, I had, I had personal knowledge and personal confidences of several of the people who were called out. And I, and I sat on those for a couple of years because it was people confiding in me who did not want to come forward with their stories and some of them still don't, you know? And it's, and at that point it leaves you with, even if you, if you want to do something about it and you, you fucking hate the person that they, you know, that did this to them and that person's being praised on social media, it comes down to the point of like, all you can really do at that point is come out and say, you know, Hey, I have stories about this person. They aren't mine, but I know they're a piece of shit. 
At which point you've got everybody jumping in on you going, okay, well, whose stories are these? Like, give us proof. Because that's what it always comes down to. Yeah. And then you're in a situation where you literally, you're just someone saying some stuff. It just becomes you versus them. And it's just, that's not a good, a good place to take things. So uh, it's, I, yeah. I have the, the experience of, of someone confided in me, but uh, did not want to come forward for a number of reasons. And what I do is I just try to don't, I try to steer people from working with, steer people for, away from working with the person that did not treat my friend well. And um, that's all I can do because I can't give their story. But that's, and what you know, I don't, I don't, I don't shit on them in public, but I'm just like, if, if I can't right. give too much more information because, but, but it's more of, I just can't uh, just try to steer people away advise them other things yeah but what i could do and what happened a couple of times in this past week is other women i didn't know came forward on twitter and you know were, were willing and to put themselves out there and go publicly go hey this person did this to me and once that happened i did feel a certain responsibility to back those women up and not yeah. leave them out there by themselves and go hey i can't tell you all because i don't have permission to but I do, I do know these stories from people that I trust who said these things that back up what this person is saying. So that was something I felt I could do and something I felt I had to do at that point. Because it's a very, especially when you're dealing with a very popular author with a lot of connections and a lot of stroke in this industry. Yeah. To come out publicly and say, you were a bag of shit to me and you made gross sexual comments to me and you put your hands on me without my consent. Like, that is a really scary thing to do. So I saw that happen, and I was like, I don't have any stories about this person, but a lot of people have confided in me about them. The least I can do is boost what this person is saying and back them up and say, I believe them, and this is why I believe them. Yeah. And that was the thing I was able to do. Yeah. But, you know, it's it just seems, it does seem to start with that. It's, it, starts with, it starts with somebody being able and being willing to come forward and, and put themselves out there and say this is who I am. This is what was done to me. And it, you know, you get that, then that starts the ball rolling and it, it sucks that it has to be that way, but it just, I feel like it, in a lot of ways it just kind of does have to be that way. It just, it's, it's difficult until you get to the point where people are willing to share their stories, you know, yeah. publicly. So, so that's what you can do in those situations. That's what we, we did or we can do personally. I don't, I don't want to speak for everybody. And again, yeah. I'm not claiming to be the smartest person on this topic or an expert in any way. So, and we're also open to feedback. Anybody who wants to write in and chime in on this stuff and, you know, man knows more than we do or has a different perspective on it, we're always happy to share that and and uh, let people know. Yeah. Um, and the third question is something I don't know the answer to, but I'm hoping listeners uh, or, or, or our audience will, which is uh, what resources are there to report abuse slash harassment in the industry? The problem here is that as we said earlier we don't have an overarching um uh organization we don't have a bureaucracy with anything in in uh in hand for this and even if sifwa did it as matt said not everybody's a membership of sifwa so if you're not if you're not a member of sifwa and you harass somebody and they report you to sifwa what's sifwa going to do to you um i do know oh, that yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I do know that some publishers have dropped authors because of what came out last week, um, which I seems to be an unprecedented move. It's it's uh, it's comforting actually that that people are believing women and acting to this extent finally. Yeah, uh, it is. But also, there's still a lot of room for improvement there, and there's still a lot of frustration that a lot of people feel. What do you um, mean? I don't know, man. Again, we're not getting it. We're, we're not getting into names, right? But there was one. There was one person who was called out who lost, who did lose their agent, and props to that agency for stepping up on that. And there was a publisher who came forward and said, "We're not going to publish this person anymore." But it was also a publisher that hadn't published a book by them in like ten years or something. So I didn't. I see. I, I and a lot of their active publishers have yet to comment as as we record this, and as far as I know, um, and I'm still waiting to hear that from people currently publishing the books of some of these people, you know, okay. and that's, and that process can take a while, man. That's like, again, when you're dealing with a system where three companies own every publisher on the planet, practically, 
if if the if an abuser is uh, you know published by one of those imprints, that has to go up this huge corporate chain before they can say anything about it. Yeah, you know, that's that's one of the issues with this. And so I'm hoping that maybe something will still come of this. But the further you get away from it, and the quieter quieter people get, and the more they move on to other stuff, the easier it becomes for agents and publishers to just wait for it to go away. And a lot of them do that. You know, there was. Like I said, there was that one individual who, who their agency dropped them, and that was great, but it's also an agency that deals very heavily with science fiction and fantasy publishing at a kind of ground level. There's another person who's been called out repeatedly for a lot of the same behavior. The difference is they're with an agent who handles many, many multi-million dollar clients and deals with big books and big publishers that are a lot farther or beyond the sphere than some of these other publishers and agencies are actually taking a stand. And the further you get up the chain and the bigger the dollars become, the more insulated these people get from shit like this. It's just the truth. Yeah, you know? that's fair. When you're dealing with an agent who is embedded in the community we're talking about, they have a lot more exposure and a lot more responsibility and a lot more obligation. And I'm not in any way trying to say, trying to take away you know, the, their morality or say they're only doing this because they can't handle the pressure or they don't want their business to be damaged. I'm not, you know, they, I'm sure they were taking, they did what they thought was right. But the fact is they're also much closer to the ground than a lot of these other people are. And when you're, you know, when you get, when you get up to an agent who's got those big clients is making those big dollars, they just don't give as much of a shit about all of us down here in SFF genre screaming about the client, you know, and that's just, it's fucked up that it's that way. But that's another part of the power structure that we're talking about here that's that's messed up so yeah that's true um what's funny is you know jk rowling's agents aren't going to drop her but what they yeah. did do is lose a lot of their other clients because mm -hmm. uh in in different in a different sphere uh rowling is uh jk rowling is a very talented author she's also a turf which is a feminist who uh hates uh, transgendered women and uh she just doubles down on her stances and she's like she will never hear otherwise that she even that she's causing harm you know yeah. talk about the power differential you you grow up reading harry potter and get this view of this goddess in your mind who created this wonderful world where whether she intended it or not you probably feel like you could belong and then you find out that she not only dislikes people like you, she has no problem saying it over and over and over again. And uh -huh. uh, so finally, some of the the people who share an agency with her is just like, look, this is, this is not cool. We can't be part of this. And um, I really doubt her agency is going to drop her, but they did lose a lot of clients because of that. Yeah, and I mean, that's what it ends up coming down to, I think, is that when you get to a certain institutional level, what matters is when you start fucking with people's money. Yeah. So unless a bunch of authors who generate that kind of revenue get together and, and take a stand on it, a lot of agencies and publishers just flat out aren't going to give a shit. Like, they'll weather the, the promotional storm and they'll just wait for it to die down and just keep doing what they do. So. Yeah. And, you know, I uh, I'm... Unfortunately, nowhere near the point where what I do matters to any publisher or fucking any agent. So I don't, I don't have the ability to take a stand on that level. But did you hear about the just speaking of the Rowling thing? Did you hear about the Stephen King thing? No. I knew you didn't. I just have to tell you about this. It's so fucking good. It's awful, but it's also good. So like Stephen King, and for anybody who hasn't heard this, this all happened on Twitter. So Stephen King retweeted part of a J.K. Rowling thread, right? Um, about feminism, about women. And everybody obviously was very disturbed by that because they're like, you know, here's Stephen King supporting J.K. Rowling's position. And Steve, why would you do this to us? And then Rowling comes, as soon as she sees that he's retweeted her, Rowling comes out with this whole long tweet about, thank you, Stephen King. Like, it's so good to see somebody finally, so good to see a celebrity finally stand up, you know, for my position and, you know, support the things that I'm saying. And it just made my whole day. And then so finally someone tweeted at Stephen King, like, hey, Steve, you know that she hates trans people, right? Like, it's not cool. And Stephen King tweeted back at somebody. Uh, basically, someone asked him, you know, are trans women women? And Stephen King tweeted back, yes, trans women are women. And as soon as J.K. Rowling saw that reply, she deleted the tweet where she thanked him. And then... <laughs> Oh, my God. 
Yeah, yeah. It was, again, horrible because she's a horrible fucking person. A horrible trans wow. everything else. But yeah, she it just... And so on the one level, appreciate you, Stephen King, for doing that. Not that Stephen King doesn't have his problematic shit, but sure. appreciate him coming out for that. And two, it's just like, for anybody who keeps running that bullshit about like, J.K. Rowling's got good points. She just gets muddled trying to bring them out. It's like, no, dude, J.K. Rowling hates trans women. Like, that makes it really, really clear. Yeah, she, she's, very... she said it many, many times in many different yeah. ways. Yeah. But yeah, as soon as he, as soon as Stephen King tweeted, yes, trans women are women, there goes Rowling deleting the tweet, deleting all of it, like distancing herself because she fucking hates trans women. So, again, so thank you, Stephen thing. King. Appreciate it. I'm sorry, I, I said thank you, Stephen King. I appreciate oh, yeah. that. A lot of people were relieved. Yes. It's just hard because, again, you're that you're that. That's another part of that insulation we're talking about. You're that rich and that famous and that removed from everything. You know, you don't you don't get things until it's, it's it, things we feel like everybody should know this. Everybody should be school on this. It's been going on forever. You got a guy like Stephen King who was just like, no, I'm just I'm supporting women by retweeting this thing that. J.K. Rowling said about women. That's all he knew. And then somebody got in his ear and was like, no, all of this other stuff. And he was like, oh, God, no. Yeah, absolutely not. So anyway, yeah. I just wanted to let you know about that because I know you haven't been on Twitter. That was a big thing that happened on Twitter the last few days. That's awesome. Thank you for telling yeah. me. I'm, that makes me happy. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. not the Rowling Not thing, the thing but, where J.K. Rowling yeah. trans women and has a campaign against all of them. But yeah, the, the Stephen King part of it was good. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, all of that... Uh, uh, go, going back to the question, if there are places people know of to report harassment, please let me know. I would love to make that uh, a resource available. But uh, for me, I don't... I know that Writer Beware covers like shady yeah. agents and publishers, but that's different. But Writer Beware would be the first place I would look because it's the only place I know is a good uh, reporting. Is Predators and Editors still a thing or is that not a thing anymore? I'm not sure. I remember Predators and Editors being a good resource at one point. I don't want to speak on it now because I don't know what the status is. But if anybody knows about that, well, fuck it. I can Google it. I just didn't think to do it. But I know Writers Beware for sure is is one resource out there that at least does report on shitty abuses going on in the industry. But yeah. I do think largely we're still in that court of public opinion phase because it's also compartmentalized, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the one thing we can say and that the last – few weeks have taught us that i mean we should have learned already it's not again all this has been going on forever um it's just like that accountability because because again with the asian thing right it's like when you know the friend that i had that i don't have anymore because he's a piece of shit when he was called out immediately everybody was like his agent needs to drop him where's his agent what's his agent going to do and then following that a couple of really popular prominent white dudes get called out for honestly way worse behavior like physical overt sexual stuff at first, nobody was saying anything about their agents. And people were coming and pointing that out. They're like, what, are we going to talk about these guys' agents at this point? Like, when is that going to happen? So you get that double standard with stuff like that, too. So I guess I, what I'm saying is, you know, look look at who's propping these people up when they get called out. Look at the support structures that are in place for them and make sure that everybody's calling for accountability from all of those support structures. Right. Is what I'm saying. Because we lose a lot of that, you know, when, when these we forget about things like agents and publishers and just people who are enabling and supporting and paying them to do what they do. So, right. But yeah, and like Mer said, if anybody has any better resources than we know about, I'm happy to hear about them. But I just don't, I don't know that with the structures we're dealing with, that's actually possible. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know either, but I hope. Well, we got to figure out something because yeah. this is, you know. I hope, like I said on Twitter, I generally hope something transformative comes from all this horrific shit. I really do. And if there's something to sign or something to vote, like I'll do it. It just it has to it has to be a thing that happens. But so yeah, it was a very rough uh, couple of weeks for everybody. Uh, a lot rougher on other people who were the victims of these fucking pricks than those of us who just found out about it secondhand and had to deal with that. And I, again, I want to make that I want to make sure that we're centering those people always because you know but yeah that's that's a lot of stuff that happened and that was kind of where i fell in all of it and still trying to figure stuff out going forward this is all still happening and we're doing the best we can yeah it's it's <clears throat> uh it's upsetting it's 
you know, like Matt said, the, the victims are the most important thing, but uh, you can't deny that this isn't affecting a lot of people. It affects everything. And you know what? It should. It absolutely yes, should. It, yes, it definitely should. You know, I, I fucking hate it. And it's it's as detrimental as it is to like productivity and career stuff and all this other than how hard it is on your mental health. Like this all needs to be, it's over, it's long overdue. It's way overdue. And I just hope that, you know, we just, I don't, I hate that we repeat this every, you know, six months or a year or whatever. Like there, sh that shouldn't be the system. The system shouldn't be, we allow all this horrendous stuff to happen. And then every so often we have like half a cleansing where a few people actually get called out for it. Like, yeah. You know, at this point, I don't like if it. I I would like to think that we can that there can be genuine change within people and within attitudes and within culture, but if we can just even get it to a place where these fucking guys are too afraid to do this shit because they're afraid of what will happen to them if they do, I'm fine with that. That'd be you know, nice. We, yeah, we can start with that, and that I think is attainable, because self-interest is really really huge among that crowd. You know, they're very very motivated by ego and self-interest and professional success. So if all we accomplish is just making them really scared that their shitty behavior is going to come back to bite them in the ass, and that keeps them from fucking with even one person, I think that will at least be a gain. Definitely. <clears throat> anyway. I have a lot of feelings, Murr. Very I know, dude. So, I know. Yeah. Um... So that's that's it from the Discord uh, questioning stuff. Um, things are rough. There's there's still protests. There's still COVID nineteen. There's um, uh, there's a dust cloud from the Sahara over the East Coast right now, which yeah. I went running with a mask on on Sunday because of the dust, not because of COVID, but because of the dust. Because of the dust. I don't the recommend it. Sahara. I don't yeah. recommend running with a mask on. It was awful. I I was I was very close to fainting at one point and just decided to take the mask off and and you know just caution to the wind. But uh, yeah, there's there's somebody posted on Twitter like I, I I always thought what it would be like to live through the Civil War, the Great Depression, the Dust Bowl, um, the pandemic of uh, 1918 and the uh, Spanish flu and all of that. I just never expected to do it all at once. Right. But fuck, man. It's it's a hell of a time right now. And um, yeah, I, I still feel like the characters in the movie Clue at one point where, where all the lights go down and like three people die and the lights come right. up and all the characters move from room to room and they just walk into the room and they see the body. And they wait a beat, yeah. and then they leave, and they go on to the next body. They don't react at all. That's kind of so how I feel. They're so desensitized to sudden murders by that point. It's just like, oh, three more. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Oh, yeah. look, uh, uh, there's a dead body. Okay. There's another one. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that's. Uh... I love that movie. Yes. We watched it the other <laughs> night. It definitely holds up. It's awesome. It, can I, and I'll just say, man, again, 10 years on Twitter, all the trolls I've ever dealt with, like Adam Baldwin trolls, like Jesse St. Gall trolls, mm -hmm. like I've had some fucking trolls come after me, right? Right. Of all of that, the only one I still actively wish harm on is the motherfucker who tried to tell me that Clue isn't a good movie. <laughs> it's the only one. I still rent, and whenever I oh watch Clue or I see it on my streaming menus... I think of that dude, and I'm just like, man, I hope he dies. <laughs> like, that's how much I love that movie. Oh, my God. That's, that's, okay. You know, we, we all got it our help. Even, it wasn't even a really bad troll. I think he was just like, are we calling Clue a good movie when I tweeted about Clue? That's all he said to me. And that oh. was enough. Yeah, that's, that was that's, enough that's... for me to hate him forever. Uh, yes, we are. How dare you <laughs> come into my house anyway that's not the point of anything no but at least it it it, it gave uh some well-needed tension Levity. relief so thank yeah. you for that anytime but uh we are at episode 99 i'm hoping that we'll be able to get cameron hurley on uh, one of our favorite guests for episode yeah. 100. 
and uh i'll tell you mariah i wanted episode 100 to be this big epic extravaganza of some yeah. kind but it just doesn't feel like the time for it no. at all it just no. doesn't so we'll get we'll get hurley on we'll have some cocktails we'll do the best we can you yeah know? So, and I hope everybody will understand that, but it is a big deal to me that we're on the cusp of a hundred episodes. And I think it's something to be proud of. I, you know, I, I mean, Mar, I know that we, you, especially you, you've been podcasting for like 15 years and you've done 20 million episodes of everything, but I'm just very proud of this show and that we've gotten this far and that we've done all that we have. No, it matters to me a lot. It's, it's a, a, you know, I, I get to talk to you every week, and yeah. we make something cool together, and, um, you know, we won a Hugo, so that was cool. We won a fucking Hugo. How and bananas so, is that? Yeah. How I'm... bananas is that? Could you have ever thought when we had that first conversation no. and recorded it that became the show that that's what we'd both win our first Hugo for? No. You just never can tell, you know? You just never know. Yeah, but... Uh... And, you know, we couldn't have done any of this without you guys in the audience. So thank you for your support and your uh, emails and your tweets and the kind things you say to us. And because uh, you help keep us going, for sure, both monetarily no, and emotionally. And one of the things I'm most proud of about the show is I, you know, not to aggrandize us in any way, but I feel like we actually do help a few people navigate entering and, and moving through this industry, which is a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. So I'm very proud of that. I think that's very valid and there's not enough of it out there. So if, even if we've done that on a small level, I'm very, very happy about that. So that's the whole, what I'm saying is you folks listening are the whole point. So thank you. Yes. <clears throat> um, so we hope we'll see you in a week for episode 100. We got to schedule things with Hurley, but uh, we'll see if we can get that, moving and uh you can see our blog and show notes at merverse.com is there anything else you wanted to say matt i just went into end of episode talk and didn't check with you to see if you're no done. no and other than mentioning i have a book coming out in a few weeks that's going to fail miserably and maybe if a few people bought it it wouldn't be so bad that'd be cool yeah i think you need to work on that as a pitch yeah yeah no you really do <laughs> You know what? Fuck it. That's where I am right now. I'm not, and, and leave it in. Don't edit that out. I won't edit it out. That's why. That's how I'm feeling, and I don't see any way around it. And you know what? It's okay. I'm gonna write more books, but I worked on this one for like four or five years, and I'm really proud of it. It's called Savage Legion. If you wanted to pre-order that, it would really be helpful to me, and I'd appreciate it. But yeah, it's that's just that's where I'm at emotionally, Mer, and I'm not gonna apologize for it. I'm not asking you to, dude. No, but it's a it's it's a book that a lot of people are really excited about. And I remember when you sold it, you called me and told me how many people were excited about it and uh, how many people thought it was a big deal. And I know a lot of our audience is excited about it. So uh, I I don't have I haven't read it yet, but I don't have the opinion of this book that you do. So I'm gonna be all positive and say go buy Savage Legion because I've read Matt's stuff and Matt's stuff is great. Oh, uh, I know you don't pop by the Discord very often, but somebody did post a stack of books that they had just bought, and uh, Envy of Angels was in there. And oh. uh, then, like a couple of days later, they mentioned they they like read it in one sitting and loved it. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. Yeah, I I perpetually mean to get in there more, but thank you to the Discord folk. I I, I do value you, even if I. I'm not there as often as I would like to be. Um, yeah, you can buy all those books too. Still, they're still out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, and if you want to get on our Discord, all you have to do is support our Patreon at just a dollar at uh, patreon.com slash mightymer. It's my name, but that's because Patreon doesn't allow you to do Patreons for different projects. It's just the, the person. Uh, but uh, it supports both of us. So, uh, Check it out. And uh, is that all the shilling we need to do? Savage Legion, check the blog, check uh, the Patreon. I have a virtual book tour starting July 7th. Oh, yeah. Right. We're going to do one of those. Yeah, we're doing the launch event, Merv. I, oh, are we? On book release eve on the 20th, we're going to do a Crowdcast event. And that's my official launch event for the book that I'm yes, doing. Yes, I'm very excited. going to do some drinking. Mm-hmm. I'm going uh, to be unfiltered. I'm going to get fucking lit. But not inappropriate, because I'm not a scumbag. No, you've never been inappropriate. And also, being drunk 
is not an excuse for being a scumbag. Just want to slip that in with everything we've been talking about. Yeah, that that that's that's something that gets me is people say that the things I said or the things I did were just because I was drunk and I'm thinking bullshit. Well, the, Sorry. the 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 it's like a lot of people do that when saying uh racist things. They yeah. they blame alcohol or whatever, but I'm like, you know what? If it's if it's not in your head when you're sober, it's not going to magically pop in your head when you're drunk. Like I know yeah. French swear words. I learned them in high school French. Strangely enough, when I get angry, they don't come out just because I get drunk and angry. And no, uh, because I don't think about those words all the time. Yeah. So yeah, if if you if yeah, I'm sorry. I just that's just one thing that really pisses me off is the no, people who say they, they why, treat people poorly or they say slurs just because they're angry and and or drunk and no it's it's if the words were not in your mind you wouldn't say them you put yeah. them there when you were sober booze just removes the filters yeah that's all anyway anyway <laughs> but yeah launch your bath on the 20th sorry dude i'll cut that out no leave that in i brought it up all i'm right. totally fine with that uh, leave leave it all in it's leave all it good on. all right it's all good. These are valid points that people need to hear. Yes. But, but... So I've got the virtual tour schedule up on my website, which is relaunched. I don't think I mentioned that. You did not mention. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. My matt-wallace.com. It's completely redesigned. Uh, way more functional now. Way cleaner. It's got it's all up to date. Current news. Current books. Uh, contact form. All that good stuff. Got a press kit. Ooh, all press the, kit. All, now the, you're like the, a real boy. <laughs> official photos and whatnot so yeah you can check out uh just revealed the cover for my middle grade book that's up there too oh yes uh, that is so awesome uh, amazing uh, cover by uh cat fajardo and uh yeah check that out awesome all right i think we've done enough for today we'll see you next time on episode 100 looking forward to it and uh i'll talk to you next time matt hug a teddy bear we didn't even mention the teddy bear room which is for all the hugging that needs to happen yeah, without it's the same we can't room hug in the people. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I'll see you next time. Later. You can support us at patreon.com slash mighty Ditch diggers! Theme song by Devo Spice. Devospice.com.